0: wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on this episode, I'm excited about our guest. His name is Jeff Bradley, the brand ambassador for Christensen Arms.
1: Roland Christensen got his doctorate in engineering, and he had a business that was involved in composite technology and prosthetics. They were doing really well at that and wanted to diversify a little bit. They talked about carbon shaft arrow, carbon shafted golf club, softball bats. They ultimately said, We'd love to hunt, let's make our barrels a little bit lighter and try a carbon wrapped barrel. I have two sons, they were growing up. We had lion hunt, bear hunt, we took elk hunters, buffalo hunters. So by the time my boys were 12 or 14, they'd shot an elk and a mountain lion and a bear. Welcome to Hunting Day with
0: Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I am excited about our guest. He is the brand ambassador for Christensen Arms. His name is Jeff Bradley, and I've had the privilege of talking to him a couple times now and we that led up to this podcast and this has been something that i've been really looking forward to and the day is here to where jeff is with us so jeff thank you for coming on
1: well listen Stephen, we're glad to be here and you need to know we appreciate the opportunity to share part of our story on a podcast that has the status that yours does you're you've done a great deal of good so far for the outdoors industry and and hunting especially with the platform that you've got going here and for our part, we're really glad to be a part of that. Tell our story, and uh, the other thing we're pretty excited about is we were talking to somebody that uh, that has a few of our rifles. You've been you've been a Christensen Arms customer for quite some time, and we we're, we're, we appreciate that.
0: Yes, definitely. I tell you what, it was uh, one of the first rifles that I bought from Christensen was the Mesa. 300 win mag and I bought that specifically for an axis deer hunt in Texas and uh, previously I'd hunted them with my 308 never had an opportunity to kill one I missed I should say that I missed with my 308 and uh, but everyone was telling me hey you need to come down here with a 30 cal that packs a punch the 308 will work but these, these animals are notorious for taking a bullet and running. And so I was like, you know what? 300 Win Mag is hard to beat. And so the, the rifle shopping began. And one of the guys that I work with, his name's Donnie, he had just bought a Christensen 300 Win Mag in the Mesa. And I was like, you know what? If he likes it, I'm going to like it. So I went to the same store he did, which was Burke's Gun Shop. I ordered one up. We had it within a couple days, and then the rest was history. I was sold. I ended up uh, buying two of the CA 15s the very next time I went in there. And it's uh, so thankfully, I have a very supportive wife when it comes to guns. And uh, because otherwise, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble. And that makes a
1: big difference for sure.
0: Yeah. um, I used to think I have to sneak a gun in the house, but now she's on board with. If, uh, if we, if I think we need it, then we need it. So it's been, uh, it's been a, it's not as good on my checkbook when, when I have that mentality and she has that mentality, but that's all right because we're buying quality guns that we know at the end of the day that our kids and our grandkids and their grandkids will be able to enjoy and use as long as our country continues to be a. Uh, country where the right to bear arms is here so as long as that continues on our grandkids and our great-grandkids are going to enjoy these guns too so uh, exactly. I, i'm on board yeah. with more guns
1: <laughs> one, of the, one of the great things about a firearm too though is they're a very very long-term investment i mean if you figure you're going to buy a gun and have it for 20 30 40 50 years and use it intermittently and then pass it on suddenly the uh, the cost of having that firearm isn't all that great it's a very substantial cost up front to, to get a firearm and put a quality optic on it. But once you get to that point, that's going to hold its value probably about as well as anything we spend money on.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know what? The the amount of joy and uh, just, you know, for us, we, we, we enjoy to hunt. Obviously, we hunt to put food on the table. But the amount of memories that we put in the memory bank when it comes to hunting And going to the gun range and all the things, you know, sharing a few stories with you prior to, to this, you know, it got me thinking the first time that I took the kids or I took Ava to the back of the property here and we were shooting a 22, I blew up balloons, you know, about the size of a softball and I put, I put on the target and I've got a big four foot wide, eight foot tall um, target back there. And we, you know, we covered it with balloons and I did different color balloons. And I would tell her, say, pick a color and tell me. And she'd say blue balloon. And I'd watch her shoot that blue balloon. And it was instant gratification, not only for her, but yeah. for me, you know, because I'm, Absolutely. I'm proud as can be in that moment because all the work that we had put in leading up to that, because she was, she was, She's very naturally capable of doing things, especially in the outdoors, from sports to hunting. And so for her, you know, it was just another day. But for me, it was yeah. like this was, a, a you know, the, the passing of the torch, so to speak. You know, she's my firstborn, and she's, you know, and since then, she has, you know, just— kicked it up a notch. She's gone on some amazing hunts and she's been in some high pressure, high tense situations when it comes to hunting big game. And it's like, she pulls through all the time and it's like, Hey, I want you to know I'm proud of you, but it's not always going to go this way. (laughs) And so she's
1: that, that hunting career that you've started with her is is kudos to you, Steve. And you did everything right as far as laying the groundwork, having her initial exposure to firearms being safe and pleasant and positive. And, and, and she, so she'd she, it's like, I guess when we're born, we crawl, then we walk, then we run. Right. And yeah. you did the same thing as far as firearms go with her. And that was the exactly the progression she needed to have. And talk about a proud dad moment. I mean, you know, today it's a little balloon on the target in the back of the house. And then a few years from now, it's a, it's a one forty white tail somewhere. Yeah holy cow how cool is that and and to have kids these days get away from a video game and actually have a real firearm in their hands and and help feed the family you know you you can be having a venison roast on sunday afternoon and your child say you guys are all welcome i guess i'll share my venison with you yeah
0: <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah they i tell you what they have taken to the lifestyle really well because I was at, there was a point in my life where I was like, all right, I want to raise them in the outdoors, but I don't know if this is too early because I didn't want them to grow up and say, Oh, I don't, I don't want to hunt. Why did you make me do that? And so there came a time when like, especially for Ava, like she killed her first hog with a 22, we had trapped a hog down in Texas. We were on a hunt down there in the hill country. And one of the landowners had trapped a hog and they asked us, hey, do you want to shoot this hog? And I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Is that even a question? And I was like, absolutely. But then I was like, Ava, do you want to do it? And she's like, yeah, I'd love to. Like, she was excited. And I kept telling her, I was like, look, you don't have to. This isn't something, you know, don't take this lightly because you're actually taking the life of something. And at best as I could, I explained that to a four-year-old and fast forward the next morning when we were actually headed out to the trap to dispatch this hog she says daddy i don't want to do it i said no problem baby and so we were walking up to the trap because i still i asked her if she wanted to be a part of it she said yes and so as we got to this trap this hog starts ramming the cage like the the sides yeah. right and she's like oh that's a that's a mean hog. I'm going to do it. I, I want to do it. And sure enough, she did. And it was hilarious in, in that how it went from, okay, I want to do it, to no, I don't want to do it, to oh, he's mean, we got to do it.
1: One of the keys there, though, is the child had input. Yeah. And, and you know the, the outdoors, there's enough appeal to that lifestyle that as long as people have some input and, and it's part of their decision and they're, long, they're they're a participating member of that process – you're always gonna have them engaged and they'll feel good about what they're doing. And and it's funny to to watch the progression from training wheels to to, to going down the road by themselves is pretty cool. Yeah. Very rewarding.
0: Absolutely it is. It is. So let's talk a little bit about Christensen arms. So I know a lot I'd say most of our listeners or all of them have heard of Christensen and seen the rifles and know that hey, they're a very quality rifle, but when did Christensen start, or how did you all, like, how, how did Christensen come to be?
1: That's a, that's a great question. It's part of our story that we love to tell because it's an American story. We, we were started by the Christensen family. Roland Christensen got his doctorate in engineering, and he had a business that was involved in prosthetics. So it involved some composite technology in prosthetics, and they were, they were doing really well at that and wanted to diversify a little bit. And they thought, what could we do to diversify a little bit? They talked about making a carbon shaft arrow, a carbon shafted golf club. They discussed softball bats, believe it or not, and okay. making a bat out of composites. And they ultimately said, we'd love to hunt. Let's make our, let's make our barrels a little bit lighter and, uh, and try a carbon wrapped barrel. So it's a stainless steel liner inside that carbon wrap, but that's what it is. It's the application of the, of the carbon fiber as a composite to the steel barrel liner to make it a better barrel, to improve the quality of the barrel. That was 25 years ago in Roland Christensen Garage in a little tiny town in central Utah that most people don't even know is there. That's the humble beginnings of the company. And so one of the, one of the things too that was really great about their philosophy, as they stood these businesses up, they wanted them to be a positive uh, economic influence in the central part of the state of Utah. They wanted to be an employer for people that wanted to stay in the valley, close to home, close to the mountains, and have a job that they really loved. And that's what they've done for 25 years. And so it started out really slow. And I wasn't always associated with the company. I knew that they were doing it because I've lived here my whole life. So I knew there was some guys across the mountain that were wrapping barrels in carbon fiber. And it's just like every other technology. It wasn't an instant 100% success. There were some bumps along the road. How do you interface carbon fiber with stainless steel? They expand and contract at different rates. You know, there's a lot of technology involved. And so it's been kind of an evolution to go from a completely untried technology, which we were the first to do that. Nobody wrapped carbon barrels before we did. So we pioneered that. And it's just continued to gain momentum and gain momentum. And in the last 10 years, We've actually doubled the size of the company a few of those years. And so we've gone in in December two years ago, we made and sold the same number of guns in one month as we did the entire year 10 years ago when it started. So we were doing in a month what we used to do in a year. That gives you an idea of kind of the growth we've had.
0: That's amazing. And it's
1: been through a lot of innovative thinking, trying to stay on the leading edge of technology as far as composites go, and trying to listen to customers and dealers. The people that are carrying those rifles in the field are your best uh, field training staff, and you got to listen to what they tell you and what they would like. If you're asking somebody to spend money, and, and listen, we're not the least expensive gun in the rack, and so the perceived value of a and firearm has to be there, or people will pass you by and spend money less money on something else, you know? Yeah. So it's been a really, really fun ride, a fun evolution, and unlike your little family, we've been able to watch... Some- a lot of families all across the United States buy a Christensen and, and, and incorporated it in part of their youth hunting programs and see them grow up and buy them for themselves, you know? So it's been fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's uh I love that story of how Roland Christensen was possibly, the, you know, these guns yeah. right here could not, they may not have came to be if he would have went with the softball baseball bat, That's right. you know? And so, For our listeners, I've got two of my PRCs right beside me. They're the Mesa FFTs, and they're my two newest Christensen's. And they are—I mean, they're—they're amazing guns, right? And uh, not to knock any of the other Christensen's that I own, but these two guns are shooters. And they were bought for specific reasons. Uh, We have a South Africa trip coming up, and uh, those two will be headed to Africa with us. And um, Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that.
1: and and, you know what's funny we as i go do shot show and nra and and all the shows through the year sci dsc we're having a lot more african phs walk up to the booth and say we need to get a few of our guns your your guns over there we had 500s last year with your firearms and we want to have a few of them there at the lodge so that we have some that we can use and so it started out as a humble little idea in central utah and it didn't expand a lot you know for the first few years it was just kind of a Utah hunting rifle or a west of the Mississippi hunting rifle, but now it truly is an international kind of an international phenomenon that our guns are everywhere, yeah. and it's just part of the growth and development of all that.
0: Well, and I think that stands to the the quality of the rifle and the quality of the company. I mean, the the warranty that's behind it, if there is ever an issue. But you know, knock on wood, I have not had an issue with a single one of my Christensen's, and I own many of them. And uh, it's one of those things where like you said, it's perceived value. And I, when I buy a gun, so let me back up for a minute. Years ago, I would just buy a gun and it, you know, and I would always go to the cheapest gun on the rack because that's, you know, ultimately what I thought I could afford. But then I'm going to, I'm going
1: to interject. I'm going to interject right here, Stephen, a funny anecdote. Yep. Just buy a gun. I'll be honest with you. I bought a Brownie one time just because of the wood.
0: Okay, there you go. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So
1: I, I I get what you're saying.
0: And, you know, over the years, I have gotten rid of what I call the fluff or what my buddy Donnie has called the fluff. The guns that, you know, there was nothing necessarily wrong with them, but they weren't shooters like I wanted them to be. I mean, if I was shooting 100 yards, they'd be perfect for what I wanted. But if I ever wanted to do anything with them and go do something, you know, outside of 100 yards and it started extending that range, they really weren't there. The group started opening up and they just it wasn't, you know, they're again, nothing wrong with those guns. But I've decided that the guns that I have, I'm going to pass on. And as we covered a little bit earlier, it's, you know, they're quality guns that I know my great grandkids, I could shoot 100 rounds through them. Over the next 10 years, you know, and still my kids can take them and shoot another 100 rounds over, you know, and just continue cool. to continue and continue. And so it's one of those things where pursue value, absolutely. But I can tell you the value is there, which you know that. I mean, you wouldn't represent the company if you didn't. And it's something that I also need to point out. I am not paid by Christensen to, to say this. <laughs> I'm just... No, but I
1: think- I think there's a really nice T-shirt and hat headed your way. Oh, well,
0: I, I appreciate that, <laughs>
1: but it's deserve it, at least it, that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it is, and it's something too that, like, with everything that in life, how you do anything is how you do everything, and so that's another reason why my collection of guns has shifted, and as to what's in them, because if I'm especially on the trips and the hunts that we go on that they cost money. There's a value that's attached to them. I'm going to make sure I have the best gear and I'm setting myself up for uh, success and not for failure. And so that comes down to my rifle, my ammo, my optics and the gear that I carry. And, you know, I can have all the good gear and everything, but when it comes time to pulling the trigger, if I don't have a quality firearm with me, all of everything that I've done is for nothing at that point. And so it is definitely something that I have changed my way of thinking over the years because no one ever taught me that how you do anything is how you do everything. And that, you know, always put your best foot forward. And so, uh, it's some, you know, it's taken me some time, uh, some lessons yeah. learned along the way, but you know, I, no means have I arrived, but still learning as I go. But yeah, I'm definitely, anytime I go hunting, I'm giving myself the best advantage that I can.
1: Well, and for our part, one of the things that's very gratifying for us, some of the very best gun salesmen we have in the company are not paid by the company. There is, there's somebody that just spent their own money on a firearm. They chose one of ours. They've had great success with it. They've loved what the rifle has done for them. And that person will sell more guns sometimes than a, than a college kid behind the gun counter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Word of mouth is amazing, especially it can go both ways, right? Word of mouth can,
1: you know,
0: it can have a very positive impact on you or it could have a very negative impact on you. And, um, I think the hunting world is a very, I don't want to say small community, but as it is a very close community. And so, um is it's, it's for me you know my buddy Donnie saying hey this is a really good gun you should check it out that's ultimately what led me to buy your gun it wasn't the person at burks i mean i love everybody at burks but it wasn't them yeah. specifically it was donnie saying hey i trust this gun you should too and i was like well if you do then i do so yeah absolutely
1: one of the great things for us at christians arms is that's so gratifying because as a company you cannot pay a friend of a friend to give you a good review on a bad gun. You, you cannot buy the kind of advertising that we get from the Donnies in the world that have experience with our rifle and then recommend it to their close personal friends.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, Donnie, he's, uh, he's got quite a few Christensen since then because um, I like to he, he doesn't like going to the gun store with me and hopefully he listens to this episode. Cause he's going to get a chuckle out of it because anytime me and him go there, somebody's buying something and yeah. more times than not, he talks me into buying a gun, which, you know, it doesn't take much at all. And, uh, but every now and then I'll get him and, you know, he's walked away with a few Christensen's, uh, after, uh, going to the gun shop with me. So it's, uh, it goes both ways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to we need to get a bumper sticker. Friends don't let friends accompany them to the gun store. oh Oh,
0: one hundred percent. Yes. Uh April always laughs when I tell her I'm like, Well, me and me and Donnie's gonna make a trip to Berks this evening and she'll laugh and she says, Well, how much you think that's gonna cost you? And I'm like,
1: I don't know yet.
0: We'll see. <laughs>
1: Hard to tell, dear. Yeah don't worry we're adults
0: (laughs) yep that's right but yeah like i said she's amazing when it comes to buying guns it doesn't bother her one bit because she she knows too that when i buy them it's uh i have the family in mind because somebody somewhere in our family is going to use it and uh, we're going to make some sort of memory with it
1: yeah and it's nice to have a wife that understands you don't it's like shoes for her you don't just have one one gun right
0: that's right
1: you gotta have a few a few different ones for different purposes.
0: Yes, sir. That is right. So you had mentioned to me that you you've got the seven PRC and you put it on the NPR chassis. And uh that's uh that's definitely a really good I love that chassis because it's so so versatile and everything. I mean you could all you could go hunting with that chassis if you uh-huh. you know really chose. A lot of guys do. Yeah. yeah. A lot of guys do and uh you for now your purpose is primarily like long-range shooting right
1: yeah so the 7 prc believe it or not at the company here we saw more positive pull from that caliber than we did 6.5 prc and 300 prc by a long ways there was more positive buzz about the 7 prc than the other two prc calibers ever thought of having and so because of all that buzz i decided well okay we're going to you know, it's my job. I gotta, I gotta know what I'm talking about. So I put one together and I put it on that that NPR chassis, mostly just for the ballistic experience. I wanted to, I wanted to shoot it in a controlled environment, out to distance, and just kind of get a feel or a measure for how it was going to perform with the different bullet weights and stuff. And uh, my gosh, it has lived up to the hype. I, I really believe the 7 PRC. If you had the right outdoor rider, he could make a very good case. That being the ultimate prototypical North American medium to big game caliber right now, its ability to to efficiently push a heavy caliber heavy for caliber bullet downrange is pretty amazing. It's fairly easy on recoil. Uh, it's going to be very well supported in the primary and the secondary ammunition market. There's just a lot of things to really like about that caliber.
0: One hundred percent. I when I saw the ballistics on that, so. I got introduced to the PRCs by my buddy Chance Brown and he had a 6.5 PRC and we were really kind of diving down into the weeds with it there in Texas and you know going through and he's like yeah you know you 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 need a PRC and so I really started looking into that seven and the 300 like which one do I want for Africa and I got you know When I saw that I could push 175 grain bullet at 2800 feet per second, I was like, you know what? This is by far the best round that I could ever essentially buy because I can really I could go out back here and kill a whitetail with it or I can go to South Africa and kill a big kudu with it or a big eland with it. And it's mm-hmm. so versatile and, and that, and then I was like, tag on it. I need the 300 PRC and all well, chance has a six, five PRC. So I need that one too. And so, you know, yeah. here we are. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's one thing that, you know, for that, like you said, heavy for caliber bullet, the 175 grains moving it. I think we are, my average, uh, right there at the muzzle was like 28, 14 to 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like 28, 20, we'll call it. And I'm yeah. like, that is moving that is you know and that's in the accuracy that comes with it it's a very forgiving round and something that i'll say about the christensen just in general the recoil i don't know what the, what it is about your technology if it's the muzzle brake or how your barrels are built but the recoil it seems minimal compared to other brands and and i say that because my 300 win mag i used to have a remington model 700 300 wind mag And it killed on that end and wounded on this end. And, uh, you know, it was was to the point where I hated to shoot my rifle before we went hunting. And, you know, my dad bought me this gun because I told him that's the gun I wanted. And he was like, okay. You know, and I just, I got to a point where, okay, I don't want to shoot this to go hunting. Like I need a different gun because that thing kicked the crap out of me. And there was, you know, and this was before I could really afford any type of, you know, sled or, you know, something to assist with recoil to help me out. And so I traded it. I went to the gun store and I traded it and, so when Donnie was telling me about his Christensen 300 win mag and how light the gun is, and I'm like, that thing probably kicks the crap out of you. Why in the world would What's you there? buy that? And he's like, dude, it's not, it's the opposite. The recoil, it's there, but it's like shooting, you know, a lower caliber gun. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll believe it when I see it. And sure enough, I mean, it's something that like, that 300 Win mag, it packs a punch, but on that end, and this end is extremely manageable. And so the PRC, I'm like, ah, how's the seven going to be? Because you hear about the seven mag and, you know, it's another shoulder breaker type of deal, but the PRC, I would let my five-year-old daughter shoot this gun because it is like Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, the recoil is, it is minimal. And so I'm, you know, again, uh, the Christensen line has, proven to me time and time again that it's a quality round and a quality rifle and so that seven prc in combo it's 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 really cool and i'm pretty sure all of my kids are going to try to shoot this seven prc this year so i'm i'm looking forward to it that'd be
1: great yeah and and that'd be a great caliber to have them kind of jump up to the next to a little bit heavier large big game caliber too yes and i don't know what it is The, the the hornady company did a very very good job in researching all those precision rifle cartridges, you know, the technology, even I think sometimes even the propellant that they're using in there and and the burn rate of the powder as it's going down the barrel can contribute to a little bit softer recoil. Yeah. If you have a very, very fast burning powder, it's almost an explosion when the when the primer goes off. And so your shoulder absorbs a lot of that. Whereas these newer propellants burn down the barrel and you get the muzzle velocity that you're looking for without that extreme recoil to the shooter. And we do we do try to do a good job with our brakes. If you're okay with hearing protection and you, and you can shoot with the brake on there, they really do a great job of managing felt recoil. And all of those things contribute to a better shooting experience. And in my opinion, that makes us a little bit better shooter. If yes. you pull the trigger, you've got your eyes closed and you're saying, oh no, you're not gonna be as good a shooter as if you're comfortable with the level of recoil And you're paying attention to your shooting habits and stuff.
0: Yes, 100%. That is, and, uh, you know, I've shared on previous podcasts about this PRC, you know, I've never been a long distance really, you know, like, hey, I'm going to shoot past 400 yards kind of guy. And when we went and we, you know, we did our, we started the barrel break in, we did our first two three-shot groups, and uh, then – put all of our ballistics data, you know, the chrono and everything. We got it all. We're all right. We're going to start walking it out. And the first target I shot was 500 yards. It was 504 yards to be exact. And I rang the steel on a 12 inch by 18 inch steel plate. And I was like, i turned around and I looked at everybody as if, you know, I didn't even believe it. Like, and, you know, to hear that report come back to you, it was just, it was something that was something special about it. And my buddy actually had my phone and he was recording me and I kind of like had this fangirl moment where I'm like throwing my hands up in the air and I'm like high pitched, excited, like, I can't believe, it, you know? And, uh, but then, you know, just continuous and like consistently doing that and then going to 650 yards and then going to 800 yards. And I'm like, this gun's not even technically broke in yet. And here we are with factory ammo a vortex scope, a lower end vortex scope at that. Cause we just threw one on there. Cause I was with the guys from the gun shop. They're like, what, what optics do you want on this? I'm like, honestly, I don't know yet. I'm really leaning towards either the strike Eagle five to 25 or the razor UHD LT. I think it's LT LT. And uh, I'm like, I, I don't know yet. And so we just threw this, you know, I think $500 diamondback four by 16 on there but four to 16 by 40 and here we are shooting 800 yards with no problem and i'm like a combination yeah, of quality everything and it makes a good shooter
1: and the, te- and the new technology for sure yep you know i'll never forget i was like five years old following my dad and my grandpa around hunting deer and uh we were in a out here in utah we were mule deer hunting and i saw a buck up on the hill and i told my grandpa grandpa look that's a nice buck up there He's pretty big. I've got my binoculars up. I think I'm ai think I'm fitting right in with all my uncles, you know, a big guy on the mountain. And my grandpa, I'll never forget, it was like 300 yards. And he looked at me and said, Jeff, I can't shoot that far. My gun, that's not a good shot for me. I can't make that shot with my rifle. And so from that point on, my, my thought process was, well, it's got to be 250 yards in and in until I was like 12 years old. And I was shooting a 30 odd 6 and uh, I started to hit a rocket four and 500 yards like he was hitting a rock at one and 200 yards, you know? And yeah. So we, they've, they've had the capability to do that, but with the improved ballistics and improved optics and everything, it's just a lot easier to do it consistently.
0: Yes. 100%. And especially like a ballistics calculator something like that, that does a lot of the work for you that ultimately would take range time to do. And so... Yeah. Uh, you know, to to me, I, I don't want to say it's cheating, but at the same time it makes life a lot easier and you know ultimately you uh a few less rounds you gotta shoot to to get there, so it's pretty nice.
1: It sure is, and it's it's nice to have confidence in your equipment and then the belief that you can do it. Even I'm not saying everybody's gonna shoot at big game at six or eight hundred yards, but it's just nice to know you have the capability that's yes. there and then you can bring the ranges in where you're a little more. Man- a little more comfortable
0: 100 there's a certain
1: yeah but there's a certain amount of satisfaction that goes into kind of pushing the limit too you know and, and we talked about ring and steel i'm addicted to that sound yes i just there's nothing spot already spot already send it bing and then to hear that ring and steel just that's very it, for me the recreational part of shooting has almost equaled that of taking a rifle on a big game hunt for me the therapeutic effect of just loading ammunition doing the ballistic solution dialing on some good equipment and then making that connection at a long-range target i mean that's that's an accomplishment
0: yes 100 <clears> percent. <throat> and back to what you said about you know not necessarily shooting a big game animal at six or 800 yards i can tell you i fall apart a lot of times when especially you know i get buck fever and i've <laughs> uh, you know uh, the first access that i that shot at and missed uh, you know that I, with my 308 i can remember taking it took it what seemed like a lifetime to get myself under control but at one point i can remember just just from breathing my my crosshairs went from like its butt to its nose its butt to its nose and i'm like oh my goodness like i can't shoot this thing right now and uh, so it, it's nice when you can go to the range and you get the nerves and everything's all that's gone and you can just focus. And like you said, the re- recreational aspect about the only pressure you got on you is to do better than your buddy. That's really, you know, that's fun.
1: Yep. And if you're practicing good technique, it's just like a golf swing. Most golfers don't walk up to the tee and just stick that tee in the ground, put a ball on it and whack the ball. There's always a practice swing or two involved and, that's a little bit like shooting. I think the more you work, you do to lay the groundwork for a good shooting foundation, the better you'll be when it comes time for, to, to engage that axis deer downrange and do a good job with it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, this has got me wanting to go hunting. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind an axis de- steak for dinner tonight.
0: I'll tell you what. We need to – me and you will talk offline after this about a potential hunting – Texas we'll have to go shoot some axis deer soon,
1: Boy, they're so good to eat it's they're they're just an amazing animal for for table fare, yeah it's just a great not only are they fun to chase you got something to look forward to after the hunt so that
0: is right actually so access is really really like it's probably the number one but and i think maybe you can even agree with this elk is a very very like sometimes i think it's how it's prepared but some days i'll say access is best other days i'll say elk is best but yeah. they are i mean them too if i if i never hunted another whitetail i tell people this all the time i, I love to hunt whitetail but if i all i ever hunted was exotics and elk i would be unhappy man because i love yes. whitetail until i realized there was other options out there and now it's like exactly yeah i'll, I'll take an axis over a whitetail any day
1: here in utah we uh, we have a pretty good hunting opportunity for for mountain elk and one of the opportunities right about my house is for a spike hunt you can buy a tag and go up and chase a spike which would make it well, probably an eighteen-month-old elk at that point, right? Yeah. Last year's calf, and uh, gosh, I took a few of those and I'd take them home. And a lot of times, I'd cut and wrap myself. And there, there would be occasions where people that were not hunters came to the Bradley house and they were served an elk steak or some an, an elk cut of meat without knowing what it was. And after they compliment the meat, I tell them what it was. They want to take some home with them.
0: Yeah. yes it is I've done that a few times where family gatherings and uh you know I'll make something with either axis or even a black buck and you know something that is a very very good tasting meat we even did a bunch of uh elk burger one time at a cookout and no one you know they're like, oh, this is really good, but no one was like, hey, what is this, right? And so when everybody was done eating, I was like, hey, just so you, everyone's aware, that was elk, and they're like, what? And then same thing, they're like, hey, you got any more? And I'm like, we, yeah. got, we got plenty. Take what you'd like. And that's one thing so, that uh, I, I like yeah. to, I, I don't want to sound prideful when I say this, but when people come over, if you want to take a few steaks with you, we got plenty. And, uh, especially with my kids I hunt, like they do April hunts. And then obviously I hunt. So any of the trips that we go on typically involves me pulling an enclosed trailer with two large deep freeze chest freezers, because we know we're bringing the meat home. And, uh, yeah. it's, uh, and again, like it's more than we could ever eat in a year by ourselves, but we like to be uh, a blessing to other people and say, Hey, if you want some, come get it. Or, Hey, next time I'm over your way, I'll bring some with you or with us. Yeah. And, uh, so people are very supportive of our lifestyle now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Especially when it benefits them indirectly.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And, you know, I think that's kind of the nature of sportsmen. Most of us that have the, uh, have a career in the outdoors or enjoy the outdoors. We're very anxious to share that experience, whether it's a Saturday afternoon watching the deer and the elk feed out on a high mountain Ridge taking somebody with for the first time or sharing, sharing what, some of the things that we brought home, sharing some meat with them.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. And that's one thing, you know, we get the memories of the hunt and then we obviously, you know, some of us will put our animals on the wall. Um, not always, but sometimes. And so you can look back, you know, you look at that mount on the wall and you can think, I remember the exact tree I was setting in or the exact ridge and, you know, he he was standing 32 yards broadside, or he was standing 322 yards broadside, whatever it may be. But then one of the, I think, I don't want to use the word cool, but one of the coolest things about remembering a hunt is when you're sitting down at the dinner table and you're like, Hey Zoe, guess what we're eating today? And what? We're eating your buck you killed last year. Oh really? You know? And so it's like, Hey, you provided tonight's dinner not What's me right? not mommy you you did this and uh that's one thing that like my kids love deer meat and it's It's one of those, like, especially early on as they were growing, like really little kids, they loved it. And then they get in this weird stage where if it ain't chicken nuggets, they don't want it. And so we've, (laughs) we've crossed that hurdle with Ava to where she's back to eating, uh, to, you know, what she kills. And that was, and ultimately what came down, what led to that was, okay, then you don't hunt anymore. You can go with us but you're not hunting. If you're not going to eat yeah. it, you're not hunting. <clears throat> and that really kind of, okay, I'm getting over this. I want chicken nuggets and pizza every day to, okay, I'll eat with, I'll eat the deer meat. And, uh,
1: you and, know, and what a great concept to, to, be involved in the outdoors and have it come full circle like that. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's a really rewarding thing to have, especially as a family.
0: Yes. Yes. And so that's one thing, like, like I said, we, you know, we, we overflow with abundant organic red meat that is full of protein and uh, just it's something that I, I do take pride in that hey that freezer is full because of our efforts and and it's something that we have we owe to a lot of our friends for giving us those opportunities to go with them and we thank them for that but at the end of the day most of what's in our freezer my kids put in there. And from, yes. from even from like, like, especially Ava Zoe's not quite Zoe likes to be there when we feel dress. I just, I'm not comfortable giving her a knife yet. And uh, that might sound weird. I give her a gun, but not a knife, but she's, you know, I want her to keep all of her fingers and uh, she'll get there. But Ava, she is big into, okay, now that it's on the ground, it's time to dress this thing out. And, she, you know, early on, I would, show her like hey what this organ is what that organ is here's the heart here's the lung this is ultimately what you're aiming for type of scenario and now she's doing that with zoe and declan she'll tell them what it is and it's and she's you know, she'll be she'll be bloody armed all the way up to her shoulders and it don't bother her one bit she's happy as it can be
1: In eighth grade uh, biology, she's going to help the teacher teach the class.
0: Oh, 100%. She is. That's uh,
1: that's not the diaphragm. That's the diaphragm.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she is. uh, She made a less than ideal shot on a deer two years ago. And uh, this was something that it was one of the videos I put on YouTube. And, uh, you know, because of YouTube and their, you know, non-graphicness, I I had the camera pointed at us as I was dressing this deer out and, uh, but I made sure not to show like the, the entrails and the organs and everything, but she, uh, she, the, the shot was a little further back. And so it, it stunk. Right. And, you know, this was an, a very late September, but early morning deer kill and so it was a little cool that morning, and you know she shot this. I believe it was around like eight o'clock or something. I could be wrong on that. And by eight thirty, you know we we watched it go down, and by eight thirty we were up there ready to field dress it. And so mm-hmm. it's got you can see the steam coming off the deer, yeah. and it's it stunk tremendously. And you know I have a. A, a fairly strong stomach but there are certain smells that just trigger me right and i'm yes, like sir. i'm sitting there i'm like mm, you know <clears throat> trying to not breathe and she's asking me a million questions and all i can do is mm-hmm or Mm-mm, you know <laughs> and i'm like That's just funny. just give me a minute and yeah. uh oh my goodness it was uh she's she's something special though because she is my hunting buddy and you know she would tag along with me at an early age and now i'm tagging along with her and she, I really had a proud dad moment because in February we were in Texas on a youth hunt and April and myself both got food poisoning around San Antonio. And, um, thankfully the kids didn't, you know, we went to a pizza place and me and April ate the same pizza and a salad. They had their own pizza separately. And so we think it was either the pizza that we ate or the salad. Chances are it was the salad. And, uh, we we were hurting bad and uh, to where I still, ha- you know, I didn't want to disappoint them because we had driven so far that, hey, I'll go hunting with you. And my buddy Dallas, he was amazing, too, because he helped us get to and from the blind and everything. And he was even going to yeah. take the girls, but... You know, it was one of those things where they hadn't hunted without me yet. And so I was like, no, I'll go, I'll go. You know, I'm going to be miserable in the blind or I'm going to be miserable here. At least I can go sit in the blind with them. And I can remember I had both of their guns set up and uh, pointed out the window towards the feeder. And I said, listen, girls, I'm just going to close my eyes. If you see anything, wake me up. And, uh, you know, I had my camera there for video purposes and, uh, We had an a all dad come through, and Ava goes, "Daddy, there's an all dad," and, you know, and she already knows what the animals are and everything, which is really yeah. cool. And I'm like, okay. So I turn. I remember coming up out of my hoodie. I took my hood off, and I turned the camera on, and I look, and I'm like, okay. There was like four of them over at the feeder, and I'm like, okay. You see the one to the right? She's like, yeah. I'm like whenever you're ready and like she took her gun off safety she did you know basically she did everything that she needed to she shot it it dropped and I was like all right good job and I look over at Zoe I said if another one comes in you let me know and I just kind of hunkered back down and uh you know we obviously celebrated there in the blind too but at the same time it was like she just did all that and you know ultimately she needed me to get her here but she didn't need yeah. me anymore, you know, and she's like, she yeah. is, she's a hunter. Like she is, it's in her blood now. And she is, I think, I think she's in the outdoors for life. So it's, that's uh, good. it's exciting. Uh, and you
1: know, you look, you look back at your life, Stephen, and those would be the memories that you have with those would be some of the most cherished memories you have in your life. When, when I was younger, my boys, I have two sons. They were growing up. I had a lion hounds we had lion hunt, bear hunt. We took elk hunters, buffalo hunters. And so by the time my boys were 12 or 14, they'd shot an elk and a mountain lion and a bear and caught cutthroat trout. And, and even now, just a couple of years ago, all these years later, we had the chance to go to the South Island in New Zealand. Oh. And we all three had Christians in arms, 28 Nosler rifles, and we all harvested a Himalayan tar. And so we've oh. gone from just being a little 10-year-old guy following in your boot tracks now to... To being a 35 year old guy who's a dad himself, and he's leading the way up the hill toward a Himalayan tar in New Zealand, you know. And I, I, I thought about it the other day if you take away those memories for me now, all the hunting memories with my family and my friends, gosh, I don't have a whole lot left, you know, that I can look back on. So, yeah. how rewarding is that?
0: <clears throat> yes. Oh, man, that gave me chills thinking about that. Oh. Just, it is something that. I know I cherish and especially because of my work schedule, I work a lot of time out of state for the year, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. something that it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because I go away for a while, but then I get to come back and stay for a while. And when I am home, I don't have work to worry with or anything like that. So it is quality time versus quantity time. But at the same time, when we do go, and that's that's one of the beauties of how the dynamic of our family and what we do because we do homeschool as well and so there are times when april and the kids load up and they drive to northern pennsylvania and visit me while i'm working for a few days but then on the flip side of that when i come home it's like hey let's go to texas or hey let's go to florida hey let's go to west Virginia, hey. Like, let's go hunting over here. Let's go hunting over there. And, you know, I was actually talking to Ava yesterday and I said, Hey, our early antlerless season comes in in a couple, like, I think it's like 10 days or something like that. And she's like, really, we can go hunting. I'm like, yeah, that means you can, you know, we can go doe hunting. And, uh, we got plenty of deer that, you know, come across our property all the time and you know for the wow. most part we we leave yeah. them alone but during this early season we we do take advantage of it and uh they are like she's excited she's like when 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 does it start i'm like well i need to check yeah. the rule book last year it was september 3rd but we'll verify here very soon and uh yeah she's a she's excited and uh it's always the same way they tag team off each other because Zoe always wanted to be like Ava as far as, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And it is like, and Declan, he kind of came into it like he's not as much, he's not as easily influenced. He's his own man. And, uh, he's, but he is, he killed two deer last year in Texas as well. And with the 350 legend and he's, uh, now he's already talking about well when do when do i get to go hunting again and he actually killed he killed a hog and uh in florida we went down on a gator and hog hunt and uh i speared a gator and april shot a gator with her bow and then all three kids killed a hog and uh declan is really good at shooting as well i think zoe's probably as far as the most patient. And the, at the end of the day, she's going to have more in that one inch circle than anybody else at a hundred yards. But she is, uh, but Declan, uh, we, we had some uh, hogs that were in this little Island of trees. And I'm like, Hey, do you see this one over here? And I'm kind of helping him eyeball it up and get his gun pointed in the right direction. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's all black. It's looking right at us. Do you see it? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, shoot it between the eyes. And he's like, and he looks at me, and he's like, right here? I'm like, yeah, shoot it right there. And he gets back in the gun, boom, and it, boom, it just, it drops, <laughs> right? the dog? The, 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 uh, that hog didn't even flinch, I don't think. And so we get up there to it. And I mean, it is as perfect between the eyes as you possibly can get. And I'm like, all right, big man, that is awesome. Three years old, just and he, you yeah, know, it's it's great. It's so much, it's so rewarding to to see yeah, him. You,
1: you wait, you wait, ten or twenty years, Steven, He'll be dragging you everywhere. He'll wear you out. Huh?
0: I am looking forward to it. <laughs> I really yeah. am. I, the, I I, the, 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 and, and the, the kids, they're all the time, because South Africa, they want to go on that trip with us really bad. And we're considering it, but we're not sure yet. and uh, But they're all the time like, when can we go back to Texas? Because Chance and Hannah and then Dallas and Nikki, we go hunting with them a lot. And they're mm-hmm. all the time. Well, when can we go back to Dallas and Nikki's? When can we go to Chance and Hannah's? because they know when yeah. we go, we're going hunting, and yes, uh, sir. oh, it's great! It really is, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, when are we going? <laughs> uh,
1: and you know, you, so you take all those memories. You know, you, we provide for our families by going hunting, and you have cherished memories from that. You were closer as a husband, and 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 our daughters and sons. It's just a, a positive thing. I wish there was a way to share that with more people. So yes. as we're all out doing this, and even your podcast, Stephen, I think you're reaching people with a hunting podcast sometimes. Maybe it's inadvertently you're kind of secondary or whatever, but the more positive we can get out there about the outdoors and firearms and, and providing for ourselves and, and being a cons- conservationist through hunting, the better off our whole sport will be.
0: Yes, I agree. And that is... Ultimately, you know, my passion for the outdoors, I could keep bottled up and I could keep it just between me and my f- close friends and family. But at the end of the day, I wanted a hunting day to inspire people to get outdoors, to educate people mm. and obviously entertain, right? Because if we can't entertain we won't keep the people we won't be able to, you know, draw them in and keep them in. But yeah, at the end of the day, no, cause I,
1: we're back to golf and yes. it's not entertaining. We're back to golf.
0: <laughs> yes. What, what right. do we say? Uh, shooting guns is like uh golf, but for men. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, it's it, honestly though, that is, that is what we're here for is to inspire and educate and to entertain. And, you know, I think that we have, done a good job at it. And our goal is to be, do a great job at it and to continue to figure out what it is that we need to do to reach more people. And I've recently, I love having women on the podcast because I want to break down walls and barriers that other women may have about, well, that's a male driven sport, or that's, that's what my My husband husband does, or that's what my boyfriend does. But the reality is it's what we can all do. And to, to be able to shed light and to put a spotlight onto different organizations and groups that are empowering women and even the youth. I mean, that's, that's huge for us. We love to, we do a youth hunt every year, um, my buddy Dallas, he has whiskey willow ranch there in Ozona, Texas. And we, we help sponsor that and to, and Chance and Hannah, they do as well. And so we try to get different kids out there that, and our kids go with them, with us too. And that's, I think that it really helps as far as these new kids as they come in and start hunting. It's like, it's, you know, it was really funny. The first youth hunt we'd ever did, there were two girls in the youth hunt. Zoe so he wasn't hunting yet, but it was my buddy, Ted's daughter, Kylie and Ava. Mm -hmm. And there were all these other boys in the group, right? And it was a, it was a great hunt. And there were a lot of animals that were killed on this trip and on this hunt, but the dynamic of the boys and, you know, boys were boys and, uh, Ava, you know, she was, I believe six at the time uh kylie was six and then it was such a big age difference because all the other kids were like 11 or 12 13 years old type of deal and you know they're like y'all can't hunt y'all are girls you know and ava's like i can hunt i've already killed look here's a 10 pointer i killed you know that type of thing and kylie's like i can hunt too you know and uh the girls two girls killed if i remember right five deer in two days and you know, not that it was a competition between the girls right, and the boys, right, right. because we wanted all the kids to shoot and kill something, That's and true. and I, they were beating the boys on at the end of the day too. I mean, they the two girls versus I think it was like five or six boys. They had, which at the end of the at the end of the trip, all all kids killed multiple deer, and it was amazing. Yeah. We had such a good time. <clears> and it was you know all about passing it on, but it was one of those things where it's like I definitely can see where stereotypes and just different profiles can be portrayed on people. And, you know, let's break that down so that it doesn't have to be that way. I'd love in 30 years that, you know, there are just as many women in the sport and they're teaching their kids, their daughters, their sons, even men, you know, obviously, uh, it is a still male driven sport, but at the end of the day, moms can be involved too, just as much as dads are. And, you know, I think that, absolutely if we have kids in the outdoors and not in the streets we're 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 winning and I, that's my goal
1: yep i can tell you for sure one, one thing the market analysis we've done on on a lot of those years when we experienced tremendous growth there was a lot of firearms activity in the whole united states they were doing a lot of, of 4473 transfers you know there was a lot of interest and a lot of the first time gun buyers were women and so the last few years we've made up a lot of ground as far as gun purchasers and gun owners. Well, there's a lot more women now that, that qualify as that, that, that there was 10 years ago, 20 years ago.
0: Yes. That is amazing. That is great. I love Yeah, It's a strong
1: demographic. So
0: very much. So I, uh, I did a, uh, for my coffee. Um, so the hunting day coffee company, I did a Instagram post and I boosted the, the post. And at the end of the day, After, I believe it was a week of uh, boosted posts, and uh, at the end of the day, though, 52% were women, 48% were men, and it's, you know, it's hunting-themed, everything is, you know, hunting, and I was like, you know what, this is really cool, which, I mean, coffee's coffee, everybody drinks it, but to be a primarily a hunting Instagram page that is hunting-driven, outdoor-driven, we had more women... Go to our website than men. And I'm like, that's great. This is awesome. We're, you know, we're, cool. we're making yeah. an impact. This is good. Yep, yeah, that's right. So, well, Jeff, I greatly appreciate your time today. I've, we've, we've been doing this a little bit here and I feel like I've known you for a long time. And uh, this, is, uh, this is definitely something that I know our listeners have gained a tremendous amount of value in and knowing more about your company and just the unique story behind it. I, I never knew that that's how Christensen came to be. And I love it. And it's something that I'm going to start sharing with people.
1: Well, and that's one of the reasons why we're so glad to share this story. Because it really is a, a small hometown, central Utah family, you know, hometown team does good, and and to this day, all these years later, one of the things we're so proud to say is we're made in America, and it's important to a lot of the customers in the gun stores, so it's a it's a really neat story. Uh, we're very, very glad to be a part of the that outdoor outdoor lifestyle and, and you know firearms and second Amendment. We're supportive of all that involving youth shooters. So anything like this that we can do, we're always very, very glad to have the chance to do it.
0: Yes, for sure. Well, uh, Jeff, thank you again, and I do appreciate you. And um, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, would social media be the way to do it, or would they just want to contact you? Yeah, or they
1: can even they, yeah hit us up on our Christians and Arms Facebook page. Just say, hey, Jeff, or they can call the company directly, and uh, whoever answers the phone can connect them to me. I'll be glad to answer any questions except... Before i go hunt. i'm not talking about that
0: <laughs> no yeah you can't give me by the way your your uh your I secret could, i could but you know
1: it's just it's we just don't pass that out over the phone
0: <laughs> i love it i love it and to all of our listeners we just want to say thank you for your continued support it doesn't go unnoticed and we love you guys and as always keep hunting and keep doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.